There's a lot to say when buying a new home or car, but only one thing to say that can help you protect them. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And just like that, a State Farm agent will be there to help you choose the coverage you need, no matter where you are in life. When you need coverage options, your State Farm agent is there to help, on the phone or in person. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash Wondery and use code Wondery for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash Wondery. Code Wondery. Welcome to the Podcast number 433. I'm here at the At Midnight Studios. Katie, Kyle, to my left. Hey guys, how's it going? Hi. Um... Uh, no Jonah Ray for this hostful intro. No Matt Myra for this hostful intro. I don't want you guys to feel like you're... Secondary? Okay. All right. You know, I, I wasn't... I didn't mean... <laughs> oh, poor Kyle said tertiary. Tertiary. <laughs> I love you guys. It's so fun to do these intros alone. Um, but we're at the At Midnight Studios. At Midnight is still on for a couple more weeks on Comedy Central. And so watch it. It's on Monday through Thursday after Colbert. Uh, it's actually doing pretty well. So uh, watch it. Jump in the hashtag wars. Uh, we have still have a lot of great comedians coming up. Um, so, uh, yeah, we'll be on till the, I don't know, what's, what's the date today? The 5th. We're on this week and next week in, in November. And then, uh, and then hopefully we'll be back next year. So we'll see. We will see what is in the cards for At Midnight. I'd like to thank for sponsoring this episode and there's podcast, Squarespace.com. Uh, it's the all-in-one platform that makes it easy to create your own professional website, portfolio, or online store for a free trial and 10% off. You're going to want to go to Squarespace.com, use the offer code NERDIST11. It changes all the time, Katie. It's for the month. It is. They, every month they change, so that's why. So if they're a sponsor for a really long time, it could be like, the offer code is NERDIST472, because that's how I'll talk by that point. <laughs> If there still is an internet by that point, who knows? We'll probably all be connected through some sort of a, a thought net that we don't even have to have machines anymore. We can just access things like... Hmm. Tertiary. Oh, poor Kyle. Squarespace is incredibly easy to use. Uh, they have an incredible support team that is 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So if you have any questions, if you have any problems, they're going to help you get through it. It starts just $8 a month and includes a free domain name if you sign up for a year. Uh, no matter what level of programmer you might be, if you're a beginner or if you know uh, a little more complex, if you know CSS, if you know whatever you, whatever you are, you can build on squarespace.com. So again, go to squarespace.com, use the offer code NERDIST11, get 10% off, uh, and show your support for the Nerdist podcast. Thanks for their support. This is continuing Marvel Week, which has been very exciting. Clark Gregg was Monday, uh, and today is Tom Hiddleston, Friday is Kevin Feige, and uh, Hiddleston is every bit as damn charming and delightful as you would hope and expect that he is. He really is. You re- <laughs> Katie's... He's the most handsome man. I've ever seen. <laughs> oh. Katie, there's a little bit of drool pooling at your the corners of your mouth. Like ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, he is. He's handsome. He's a well. It's not even just handsome. It's just like he he's just he's charismatic yeah. and in that in that so in that nice. British in that British way. And uh, and and we had a great we had a, we, the conversation was so much fun. And then afterwards, he was like, "Oh, we talked about Thor. Some should we talk about it more?" And I go, "No, you're talking about Thor a ton because it's coming out." 
Friday, November 8th. And so he's just been talking about Thor for the past month because it premiered internationally first. And so it was, it was fun to get a peek behind the Hiddleston curtain. Uh, and I do quite enjoy that uh, the conversation spun into uh, who he would who he would have played who he would want to play in, in Harry Potter and I, and I you know I totally forgot I should have I should have said Voldemort he would have been a great Voldemort oh yeah he would be great, a great he would have been like a young Tom Riddle stun Riddle stun <gasps> <laughs> you guys the clues were there the whole time um, but uh, anyway Hiddleston is uh, was someone that people have asked us a long time for when are you going to get him on the answer is now during Marvel week the delightful he is at T.W. Hiddleston on Twitter uh, so follow him and get some digital tweet charm here's the Nerds Podcast episode number 433 with Tom Hiddleston now entering Nerdist.com It was New York Comic Con, and we'll just start talking okay, now. Sure. So, yeah, New York Comic Con in 2012. New York Comic Con, October 2011. 2011. Yeah. When I was there with Avengers with Mark Ruffalo and Chris Evans and Kobe Smulders and Clark Gray. Yes, I, and, and Clark <coughs> just gave me shit because I called him out on stage for singing his Avengers theme that he <laughs> yeah, improvised backstage. Yeah. It was, how did it go? It was some extraordinary. He'd made it up. It was I like. I don't remember. It was something like. Uh, it was uh, like a rap. It was like yeah, and we—I I just remember the line. We got a hulky or something. I don't remember what yeah. it was, but he was. You got to call the Avengers. <laughs> da, 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 da. I, he was. It was. Yeah. Yeah. He was basically just screwing around backstage, and I thought it was hilarious. And then when I said, "Oh, you should do this," he was like, "No, no, no, no! Please, <laughs> please, no!" And then and then he did it, and it was great. People were thrilled. It was great. People loved it. People yes. loved Clark Greg. I love Clark Greg. People love Tom Hiddleston. <laughs> Tom Hiddleston. I mean, this. You know, to basically. Get to be. I mean, essentially, Loki is. He's one. He's might as well be an Avenger at this point, as far as people are concerned. They Do you think? I, yeah, adore I, him. That's. It's very gratifying and thrilling <laughs> that he is a loved character. Yes. <laughs> um, I don't know that uh, that Joss is going to invite me to be part of the uh, <clears throat> that that particular team um, anytime soon. But it, it has been an amazing run, an amazing ride. That that and that Comic Con, I think, was the first time. I became aware that it was uh, that it was becoming a different thing. Um, it, it became. I mean, it, you know, a lot of times in superhero movies, uh, the the villain can be kind of disposable. It's like, oh, he's just the threat for this particular episode. The and plot. Then the he's story. done, and then you don't ever see him again. And then, yeah. but I, I honestly, I think people would riot if something if Loki went away. I think people you would think freaking riot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, well, let's well let's see what happens because he ain't in the Avengers too. So, um, you know. God damn it. <laughs> Katie, get Joss on the phone. Okay, um, we'll get his number. Yeah, but it's, my God, it's been a, a roller coaster. For me, for everybody else, the whole thing has been such an extraordinary yeah. One of my favorite ride. moments, um, and the because well, we had Kevin Feige on, and that podcast is going up after yours, and we talked about this on his, but one of my favorite moments at any Comic-Con was not just you coming out as Loki, but there was a moment where you came out 
And I told you the night before, I was like, people are going to lose their fucking minds. And you're like, do you think it's going to be okay? I said, it's going to be, and you go, I'm sure it'll be fine. I go, no, it's going to be amazing. And then you came out and the response was deafening. And I just, you couldn't contain the smile on your face. And I'm like, that's not Loki. That's Tom smiling. That's Tom smiling. It was, it was it's so insane and ridiculous. I couldn't, I mean, I could never have expected that. No, but you would never expect it. Like it was crazy i mean i I nearly burst out laughing (laughs) partly because here's the thing is i don't know if you ever ever told you this is while i was off stage um the first time i tried to say my first off stage lines my microphone wasn't working i was like oh god it's (laughs) over this is not going to work all i have is all i have is my voice right there are no special effects there is me and my voice reaching the back wall in a hall full of seven thousand people and the microphone's not working holy shit theater trained actor i still don't have a voice that can reach all the way back that no, far that's big room. so i was i was sweating I, I was sweating and panicking and finally on the third go i said humanity and i heard it <laughs> reverberate around all that so i was like because it, um, it, you know, it takes hours to go through the, the to add the hair and the makeup and the, and the yeah it takes two outfit. hours yeah yeah and uh and and I I was very pleased to be a part of it. Uh, I think you called me a mewling quim, which I was did. amazing. <laughs> yeah, just you you are distinguished by that privilege. You share that only with Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> there are two people in the world that we call have them mewling so quim. much in common. You do. Uh, yeah. You should be wearing a catsuit. Why are you not wearing a catsuit? I you know normally if it's weird during the day, yeah, because it's it's sort of like the topography of everything in my body of really. Course. Yeah, but at yeah, night yeah. it sort of blends in, so yeah. I try not to do it too much during just the day. Bumps in the. <laughs> wrong place it just looks like yeah. it's like uh, I got this bag of gravel what should I do with this like, that's what I like. maybe to the premiere to the Thor premiere yeah, tonight come come I'll wear the cat suit yeah. I'm always half tempted to do something like that at a premiere but then I always feel like yeah you're just gonna look like a you're just gonna look like a sad attention whore comic if you do that but I always want to I think to it'd do be that. hilarious if you did that I love it when people turn up in costume it's I wanted to wear a Loki helmet you, t- t- you should do that. Honestly, people, because I think your interviews with us will be better. Because <laughs> everyone's like, oh, this is great. Here we go. <laughs> Here um, well, I went to Disneyland and they have this, like, this Thor experience. And then you go into this one room and they have the Loki helmet and uh, you know, a bunch of p- uh, pieces from the... They do. Yeah, and it was a special. It was a, sp- a little special tour that I got. I was like, no one else is in here. I could just take that, and no one would is know. It, is it the actual helmet that I? Wore? I don't know if it's the actual helmet. I bet but it's, it is actually. It might be. I, I bet. Is it? Did they give it, you one? Is it? No, they didn't. What? Because it's at Disneyland. It does. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Is it the Thor one or the Avengers one? It's the Thor one. Because the, the Thor one is slightly more like a crown, it, and the Avengers one is more like a kind of weapon. It's it's the um, one that's got the it the the horn, they go up and yeah, back up and, and back yeah. as opposed to out front it's, and that's back. right yeah, that's yeah. right um, how long uh, when did you guys finish this how long have we sh- we finished we shot Thor the Dark World from mid August 2012 to mid January 2013 okay that was the principal photography oh wow. and I and I'm I'm Chris and I did the last day so that was I guess January the 15th holy shit and now of course is anyone are, are people like Where's the Loki movie? I mean, it's totally within the Marvel Universe to have a Loki movie somewhere. Probably should ask Kevin Feige that. He probably knows. Yeah, you should really should ask him. Um, Well, 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 well. (laughs) (laughs) The equivocation begins. Um, It's uh, I've heard about I've heard that there's a lot of people asking that question. And um, it's the most enormous compliment. 
like there are people online saying you've got to have one people saying you should you know this should be a Loki movie I mean I'd love to do I have so many harebrained ideas I'd love to try out but um, in the end it won't be up to me I think and also I I think it would be strange to do I think Chris Hemsworth would have to be in it in some capacity or maybe I don't don't know anyway I don't know what form it would take because in a way there is no Thor without Loki there is no Loki without Thor they define each other they oppose each other they need each other they love each other they hate each other they are two halves of the same whole I think so I wonder I wonder how it would work however as I have stated before I'd love to see Loki just on kind of like expeditions in mischief on earth (laughs) across the 20th century I think it would be amazing I think you could see him like you know hanging with the Rolling Stones in the late 60s you know how you know how you make that work I'll tell you how you make that work right now um, the doctor picks yes. up Loki. Yes, and they travel in the TARDIS together. Uh, and that's how you make that work. That's how you make that work. That would be amazing. Dropping Loki into Doctor Who. Well, first of all, he's a part of Norse mythology, yeah. so it is every bit reasonable to say that the Doctor could find Loki somewhere. Doctor could find Loki. Loki travels in the TARDIS. They go back to 1968. Um, he's introduced to Keith Richards. Uh, he starts playing as a fifth member of the Rolling Stones. That's right. Please allow me to introduce myself. I'm a man of wealth and taste. <laughs> you Peace are to meet a- you. Hope to guess my name. Say my name. Okay. Say my name. Okay. But what's puzzling see? you, Do you see is how this the works? nature of my game. Wait a minute. This is starting to make a lot of sense because I think the Rainbow Bridge is more alien technology than it is supernatural technology. Yes. The fucking North gods, the Norse gods are an alien race. They are. This is, this, I mean, just fucking Moffat, Feige, fix it. <laughs> just here, do it. It would be amazing. Oh, my God. Amazing. Yeah. Were you a Doctor Who fan at all? I certainly was, yeah. Nice. And now it's Peter Capaldi, so it would be an older Doctor Who. It is, but an older, uh, super sharp, uh, hilarious. Uh, yeah. I'm excited. I'm excited. Me too. I mean, he's brilliant. He's a brilliant, brilliant actor. That could be interesting. He's also... He also has a capacity for going to the dark side in a great way. Yeah. You know what I mean? Did you ever see The Thick of It? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah he's amazing and hilarious. Yeah. And, and I think a really interesting way to... They had to go in a completely different direction with that. Yeah. They had to go in a totally... You know, it, just couldn't, it couldn't just be like a, oh, it's a young white chap who's... Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah, they had one. to go... Yeah. I think they had to go another ethnicity or they had to go older or they had to go female. Like they had to do something with the doctor. Yeah. He will be amazing, actually. I'm looking forward to seeing what he does. This, I think a lot of what uh, Americans, view, or at least what I view of, of sort of British actor culture is that there is basically a, a basket of you and you all do everything over there. It's like the community is so much smaller and everyone appears. How many period dramas have you done? Um, let me count. Uh, Cranford, uh, The Gathering Storm, Conspiracy, Miss Austin Regrets, um, uh, Nicholas Nickleby. Wow. Um, at least that's five I can think of off the top of my head. But then do you count like War Horse? That's a period drama. Sure. Midnight in Paris. That's a period Absolutely. drama. Absolutely. Yeah. The, Woody, the I, Deep well, Blue Sea. I think um, because what I see of... I of, basically do period drama. <laughs> that's what I do. <laughs> I, I got told once on my first job, actually. My very first job when I was 19 years old was uh, a TV adaptation of Nicholas Nickleby with um, James Darcy uh, and Dominic West and 
Charles Dance and Sophia Miles as the leads. And I got told by the makeup artist on my very first day of professional work as an actor, you know, Tom, you have a very period face. I was like, what does that mean? What, what does that mean? It's 1999. That, what does that mean? That means it's adaptable yeah. to any... Because there are some people, like if you watch Mad Men or if you watch old periods, you go, oh, yeah, yeah, they've got the face for that time right. period. Because every yeah. time period... You you just can tell like oh it's maybe it's the haircuts or maybe it's the environment but they are just of that era and there yeah. are some people that are you just oh slick their hair back or just give them and some mutton like, chops yeah, yeah yeah all British people essentially <laughs> <laughs> it feels like um, that's half my lineage you know yeah. my father's side of the family yeah, is some so type of Anglo mutt I'm not sure yeah. there's a little bit of Scottish and some Northern <laughs> English so you know so it's period and sci-fi. And what else do we do that I can think of? A bit of song and dance. But um, it, you're, 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 you're Scottish. There's Scottish in there. Yeah, there's Scottish. There's there's Scottish in my in my dad's family. I think it's um, how far back? McRory. I think it back to the early 20th century. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, think, I was thinking like maybe your grandfather was Scottish. Or something. No, 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 no. My my grandfather was a hillbilly. <laughs> oh, okay. They all, you know, it's like the Northern English and Scots, and they came over and they basically settled in regions in America that were yeah. very s- environmentally Scottish, like the Appalachians or the, yeah. you know. And so, yeah, my, you know, my great grandfather like made he had a washer and a dryer, and he basically made moonshine in it. Like he didn't wash his clothes, and he lived I in see. a cabin and. You know, they were they were all rednecks. Wow, I want yeah. to meet him. <laughs> that sounds cool. He, well, the, yeah. that's where you would need a TARDIS. Uh, right. You yeah. would need a TARDIS okay. to go back yeah. and scare the shit out of him in your Loki helmet. But um, uh, I, but watching uh, British television and film really as an extension of theater is really is kind of an interesting idea because I don't we don't really have that here. Yeah, I guess it's a unique thing. Is is that's where we all, most of us we have to start is is um, people go to drama school and that most people do that by and large you go to a professional it's a it's a essentially a theater training so it could be where i went which is rada mm-hmm. um or where many 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 people went lambda the london academy of dramatic art music and dramatic art or royal scottish or central or the drama center where um tom hardy went and and um paul bettany and michael fassbender and you know all these essentially london-based drama schools I can't remember where. Did Matt go to drama? Matt Smith, I think he did. He, he went to uh, Guildhall or did he? Lambda or something. I'm um, not sure. I thought he was just kind of a soccer hooligan. They put on the. Uh... <laughs> no, I think he. Tra- I think he trained. Maybe there are some who don't. But um, but but then you sort of you what you do is you get a you get into the theatre and you either do Shakespeare or Chekhov or, or sort of like edgy contemporary drama. Um, like I remember seeing Matt Smith in a play called That Face, where he had a very intense relationship with his mother. And it was a, it was he was a, suddenly became this burning white talent, um, and we and you everyone goes to see the plays because it's all all the theatres are in Soho, which is where the film business is based and the television industry, and so it all becomes a, in a way the theatre as an actor theatre feeds television and film, and and. TV and film producers and casting directors come to the theatre to look for new actors. Um, but also there is so much theatre in London. I mean, I do think London has the best theatre in the world. I would say that, of course. Sure, of course. I'm biased, but it is an amazing progressive industry which is full of people. And, um, and in a way you get to test um, the tools of your trade and you get to kind of try out the things in your toolbox and, 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 and broaden your range and... and 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 play you know play outside your your comfort zone and then i think um 
and then in a way you're lucky if you get a TV and film break but you've always got some sort of foot in an anchor in the theater it is pretty amazing how america became so obsessed with downton abbey which i know is an amazing show yeah even though i haven't seen that much of it but but that idea of like the upstairs downstairs relationships is not like that's a very that's recurred a lot like there was actually a show called upstairs downstairs there right? was a show called upstairs downstairs, <laughs> which yeah. was the the sort of the poshies upstairs and then and, downstairs yeah. the servants and how yeah. they interact with one yeah. another it's a very british ideal because that was the that was essentially your social structure it used to be that's what's interesting is that genuinely i find it i mean i know it's a very popular show and it's very well made and and lots of my friends are in it but it's it's such an interesting thing that it it's so it's so not what britain is now right like, Britain is actually is a very progressive place, and the energy is really um, is. Uh, I feel like it's. The, the, I hope but the country is trying to just do away with the class system because we know how poisonous and toxic it is, um, and was for so long. And yet we're still fascinated by by how it used to be. You know, we look back um, all of our stories constantly. We're looking back to a time when to make sense of who we are now. Sure. Um, which is fascinating in a way, is a sort of cultural um, method of self-examination. Well, our country, I mean, you know, we're obviously young yes. compared to, compared to yeah. you guys. Uh, we, we broke away from you guys, it turns out, a long <laughs> yes. time ago. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but, you know, I don't know if we really, I mean, so much of our culture around the Victorian era was mm. essentially us finding the land of this country yeah. and establishing it not yeah. not part of this historical um you know uh lineage that had to uh you know carry on and yeah. like we were not established so our, our history in that period of time was just establishing a culture yeah period which is a great culture by the way i love them i love america i love coming here i love its youth i love its energy i love um it's it's I I love that it isn't old particularly that things are, in a way you you process your inheritance more so people are like actively processing their inheritance like I have no idea what like beyond my my grandfather my great grandfather I really have no idea what my family history is whereas I feel like in America people everyone knows like oh no I've got Irish in my blood from 150 years ago I'm like really you know that <laughs> um, uh, and I find that really interesting is people are like actively processing their cultural inheritance and changing it and using it and spinning it and that's why it's such an energetic country genuinely yeah because we're you know everyone here is from somewhere yeah but you know people in england could have been there for multiple Millennia. yeah exactly <laughs> yeah i don't know i mean i know i'm half scottish and half english and so my father's side is all scots and he's a, he is literally he has a scottish accent my my grandfather, his dad, was had a really strong Glaswegian accent. He used to call him up on on Sundays with my very English London accent, say, "How are you, Grandpa?" And he'd say, "Oh, my sweet champion, it's terrible." I was watching a football Celtic go beat the Rangers at Celtic Park the other day, and he'd be like, "I'm not quite sure, Grandpa. Can you repeat that?" <laughs> um, but my dad, you know, s still speaks with a Scottish accent. He'd be like, "Oh, but, um, I saw um, the Dark World. that loved it. Fantastic. You know, great." Um, uh, great, uh, great, lots of twists and turns. It was really good. Um, so that's my dad, and and um, and mum is from a English family, but I think there's a bit of German in there. And then who the hell knows if the Scots somehow came over from Scandinavia, or or I mean I don't know who the Hiddlestons 
were. My dad said we can trace our, we, he, he can't, whether I believe him or not is a, <laughs> another matter, but he, we, he can trace the Hiddleston, the, like the Hiddleston blood back to the Douglas clan. Oh. Like, because all the Scots are divided into, into clans. You know, there's the McDonald's and the, um, you know, your various tartans and all that. Um, and uh, apparently, uh, the Hiddleston clan is part. The Hiddlestons are part of the Douglas clan, and there was a guy called the Black Douglas who went out in the Crusades and fought. He was a madman, and he fought the. There's always yeah. The ones who get the special anyway. names are always the one that's. They're always the ones that have slaughtered yeah. thousands of people, yep. and they're either they're either they're they get color names like red this yes. or black that yeah. or the gray. <laughs> like everyone's. I know. If you fucked a lot of people up, you get a color attached to your color, name. That's yeah. what I learned. That's what I I've learned. Do some more homework, shouldn't I? Black <laughs> Douglas. Anyway, he sounds like a badass, doesn't he? Um, do you uh, do, do, do you want to do comedy? Do you ever do you like do you like comedy? very much? Yeah. I, in fact, that's what that's genuinely where I started um, as a, as a performer as a kid. Like it, I started just making people laugh. Um, I'm not being very funny right now. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm kind of aware of that, but. Um, but, uh, so your admission of that was funny. So yeah, that actually they, sort of. Well, it all, yeah, it all um, yeah. I, I would love to. I'd love to do it. I mean, I feel like I'm as Loki. I'm starting to be allowed to be funny, right? And um, and there have been things I've been, I've done sort of incidentally where I've got to be just you know take the piss out of myself a bit and and um, and have a, and have fun and be stupid and doing like doing impressions and and um, um, I used to be when I was a kid. I used to literally entertain my cousins we'd all get together over the summer and they would they would they would say like a command be funny tom so i remember you know space hopping myself into a wall and smashing my face on it (laughs) and thinking that really hurt but they were all laughing and feeling really happy about it um, and that never really stops. Actually, that's really what comedy is for the rest of your life: is smashing your face into a yeah, wall like, and hoping people find it funny. That's it. Yeah. And if it, not, you have a smashed up face. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I remember um, Rowan Atkinson doing a sketch where he was basically like walking down the street, and there was and there's a guy filming him walking down the street, and uh, he isn't aware that he's being filmed. And then after a certain point, he's like, "Oh, I'm being filmed," and he starts kind of like being a bit flirtatious with the camera and be like oh I'm being filmed I'm obviously very popular and interesting and he he, he develops this extreme and absurd relationship with the camera on the other side of the street and walks straight into a lamppost <laughs> and it's just absurd and impossible not to laugh was that so when you so British comedy you were up Rowan Atkinson Blackadder Rowan Blackadder particularly mm-hmm. I loved I mean Faulty Towers uh, it, Faulty Towers is is uh a piece of pure genius um john cleese's blind rage at the at, at human nature he's just a hates people <laughs> it's basil faulty and uh and the fact that he wants to be a better person but his basic misanthropy just pulls out the rug from under his feet at any moment um that, that was what i grew up watching and then i still there if i still put on episodes of the the first um season of the office with Ricky Gervais, I, it it makes me like howl and shake with laughter, the just the awkwardness of it, and um, I think it's genius. Uh, and also, American comedy is amazing. Cur- I was a Curb Your Enthusiasm nut for ages, just watching. Curb to me is a very um, the soul of it's pretty British, I think. Yeah, which is um, 
you know, misunderstandings and awkwardness. Yeah, and snobbery. And snobbery. And telling the truth when you really shouldn't tell yeah. the truth. Like, <laughs> when you're supposed to keep a lid on it. Yeah. Um, it's just, I mean, I remember there, and people, and people being so game, as well, people like Rosie O'Donnell and Ted Danson coming in and being incredibly game with Larry David. Um, well, I, w- I would love to do like a, a really kind of, um, I'd love to do a romantic comedy. I think they're really hard. I'd love to try that. And I th- I'd love to do, a, you know, I think Paul Feig's films are genius. I mean, I, well, I, what he's doing of late, I love watching The Heat I saw recently. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Melissa McCarthy is an amazing talent. Yep. Um, and he did Bridesmaids. He did Bridesmaids, he yeah. And Geeks. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Paul, he's great. Paul's, Paul's fantastic. Yeah. And the best dresser in Hollywood. If you ever see is the it? guy, yeah. he's always in an immaculate suit. <laughs> he looks amazing. I know him a bit. I met, I met him and his wife a couple of times. He's, yeah, he's a, he's a great guy. Sweet man. So what is it that, uh, like, ultimately what sort of motivates you? Is it is it is it the craft of acting or is it specific roles? Or is it, I mean, is there anything else that you ever want to do? Or is It's sort of like never want, it's always wanted to try something new. Like it's all, and, and sort of wanting to be able to... Um, to do as much as I can and, and keep it interesting for both myself and hopefully for the audience um, is I have a, you know, I have a, a big interest in, in, um, in, you know, straight, serious drama. I always have done. Um, I love doing Shakespeare. I'm going back to do Coriolanus on stage in December. Um, that's where I started doing Othello, Cymbeline, um, Henry V. I recently played on television, it aired on, on the BBC and on PBS. And that's kind of like, that's just a sort of passion, a, a unique and specific passion I have. And, and I've loved basically taking my Shakespeare experience and, and sort of using it in things like Loki. You know, Loki's got quite a Shakespearean um, stature. Well, as we know, all, all villains have a British accent. Right. Apparently. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, don't um, I don't know why that is. <laughs> I don't know why that is. <laughs> I think it started with James Mason. It might have, might have um, started with James, started with James Mason. Mason. Oh, I'm looking forward to death, your next role. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but I, it's ne- it's ba- I've always wanted, honestly wanted to do everything. I, I, I'm so, I'm giddy with, um, with, with the idea that I've already done what I've, uh, what I've been allowed to do, to be, in, to be a supervillain, to play F. Scott Fitzgerald, to, be, to work with Steven Spielberg. Um, and um, I'm so excited. I basically don't know what's going to happen now because I've already I've, I've already done things I thought would never happen. How does Spielberg work? I mean, like, how does he, how do you work with him? Uh, he's incredibly. First, the first thing that you're struck by after you get over the fact that you're working with him, which takes a while. <laughs> I would think it would take until yeah, after the production. It does actually. Oh fuck! I just worked with him. Another day. Okay. Get ready to fuck it up. <laughs> um, Hello, Stephen. Shit. Oh, they came out wrong. They came out wrong. I'm stupid. I'm stupid. No. Um, yeah, the first thing that is is very striking is is how genuinely kind he is. Kind, generous, um, personable, collaborative. You, you can't really get over the fact that he's including you in, in his process. And, and he trusts... I mean, in, with Warhorse, he really trusted me with my character. Um and was open to discussion and and I, you know I, he, I guess he felt like he found the right guy and so I, it was up to me now but then to watch him honestly to to have the privilege of watching him construct shots on a set is i mean there is no greater shot maker in the world alive today um it's it's like it's um what would be difficult for other humans 
for mere mortals is just, it's like water out of a tap for him. He just makes decisions and they're so clear and so clean and, and majestic. You just, he just, no, 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 what we should do is we should go, we should go, it should be, the, the shot should be on the horse's legs, you want to pan across and then pan back, use this lens, um, we'll cut it in, we'll put, can I see it on the monitor? Great, put this filter on, you're like, it's so, ex- <laughs> it's so exciting and you see it come together. Um, and he, oh, go ahead, go ahead, sorry. No, no, and he, you know, he's wearing his baseball cap and, and um, he looks like Steven Spielberg, of course he does, but you, but there he's like, you know, sometimes he's got a cigar, like it's early in the morning, baseball cap. I always think show. of when you're when you're watching someone who is a master at their craft. I always think of um, the scene from Amadeus where Salieri is explaining like where Mozart's writing the Requiem and he's taking the notation and it's like he's basically he's he re- describes it as that he's he's dictating right that he's not even thinking of he's just it's, it seems like he's dictating something from just, the heavens it's coming out yeah, yeah. it's ju- he's just spitting it out yeah and to watch someone do that. Um, do you watch and go, I want to get there someday? Or you go, I don't know, fucking know how I, that's ever going to happen. Like, that's just a, I guess it's like watching, I don't know. It's like watching Freddie Mercury on stage or something, or it's, or it's, um, it's just like watching someone who's truly gifted, like watching tennis players. But would you, you would know? you ever know if you got to that point? You know, like, would you ever no. be aware what other people, other people always say, Hey, Steven Spielberg, it's probably really amazing that you do that. And he's like, what, what are you talking about? I'm just, yeah, it's just, and also yeah. for him, it's like. He's thinking. It's th- he's thinking at ten thousand miles a minute. You know, he's he's just constructing the story in his head. He has the movie in his head. That's what's such a genius thing is. He's constructed the fifty thousand piece jigsaw puzzle that is the movie in his mind, and then he's just making it happen. So, how do you smash the nerves down to then go? Okay, I'm about to start performing essentially. Because I guess, yeah. Well, I'm not an actor, so I, I I'm. But I'm guessing. You can't be aware of yourself as an actor in a scene because you have to be in the scene. But yeah. how can you not be aware of yourself when Steven Spielberg is right there and you're like, oh, fuck, I want to do a good job? But because he's so genuinely, he just is so supportive and loving. He's just there. Like, he's there for you. I remember there was one really intimate scene where um, Captain Nichols, the character I play in that film, is very brave and, and faces death in the face he's incredibly courageous that's what the character was it's a he's a kind of he's the soul of decency and courage and um there's one particular moment where you see nichols is is sort of biting his lip and burying his fear for the sake of leading his men and we both knew it was a it was a it was an intimate moment for me and um and stephen said um just before just before this camera got set up they said that janusz kaminski is amazing DOP set the lights up and he and he said uh, Tom I'm gonna I'm gonna operate on this one if that's alright I was like yeah that's absolutely <laughs> fine and then he gets behind he gets on he sits on the on the on the dolly on the on the little stool behind the camera and he he is operating he's shooting and, and it's his way of saying it's only me and you just I'm here for you wow you know it's, be- it's so beautiful I mean it really genuinely generous and do you do you think the first time shit i i can do better or like do you get insecure at all or do, do you you really feel that comfortable that i felt really comfortable because we'd had so much time together i think we had so much so many conversations so much prep um and i loved i loved actually i loved trying to sort of um my great thrill is when it was when you can kind of tap into um 
their director's taste in a way it takes sometimes it takes a beat um but essentially you start to understand um what they love like you start to get when they're really happy and you can you can't fake that when they're really happy and satisfied with what you've done and uh, i remember doing one particular scene um i don't know if you remember but but basically it's just before captain nichols is uh, is killed spoiler alert (laughs) (laughs) um and um and basically there was a scene where he said uh, i just i want to see your soul i don't want to see um fear i don't want to see shock or terror i just want to see your soul i want to see this this boy inside a man who is about to leave he's about to leave um you know leave his life um and he knows it and um we would ju- and he was operating and we did it a couple of times to- a couple of times and the second take he was like oh my god that was wonderful we got it we got it and because i because i saw in what i'd done what he was satisfied with um i said can you just give me one more just give me he was like no no i'm really happy we got it and i said yeah but i now i know what you love let me just try one more thing and so we did it a third time and and at first he was like, I'm not sure. I think the second one was better. And then we went back and, and his wife, Kate Capshaw, said, oh, my God, the third one. Oh, my God. And <laughs> so then he said, I'll tell you. I'm, I'm, it was a Friday. I'm editing at the weekend. I'll tell you on Monday. Monday morning, I come back, uh, I come back on set and he sees me. He's like, Tom, take three. It's in the movie. <laughs> and I was like, yes. And it was so thrilling to feel like I was working with. I was really working with him, you know. Do you see uh do you see acting as a as a lifelong, you know, it never it never ends. There's always more stuff to do or do you feel like at a certain point you know Right now I feel like it will never end. There's always stuff to do. Um because life is life continues to be interesting. And at every stage of my own life I have new things to present to portray to excavate God, the life of a the life of a, of a british actor is pretty remarkable because you guys you know you can you start off as these like young strapping handsome cavalier and then as you start to age then you get very dignified One and hopes. then when you get older then it's then you're then you're like anthony hopkins where you're just so, this yeah. you know this uh, uh monolith pater familias type of uh yeah. you know yeah guy. i mean it's it is pretty amazing that if I guess if you want to work as a British actor, you can work in, until you drop dead. I'd, I'd say the same for Americans, though, right? Maybe if some you, of us. I don't know. I don't know if we take care of ourselves as well. Okay. I don't know if we take care of ourselves as well. But, but, but it's like it's like your 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 roles evolve as you evolve. Yeah. Like someone once said to me, if you're lucky, your career becomes like a time machine, and you look back and you realize that that the reason you played parts at a particular time is because that's that's what you needed to get out of your system. Like if you played lots of, um, I don't know, if you were playing sons or princes or soldiers or um, or lovers or fighters or warriors, like you've, there's always, I find I'm playing a lot of soldiers at the moment. People are sort of like, it's always about facing, basically being courageous in some way. Um, I don't know why that is. Uh, I imagine that'll stop at some point and, and maybe I'll start playing fathers and teachers or kings or you know, hopefully one day wizards and, you know. <laughs> um, That's really, I just imagine there's like a bunch, of, a bunch of older British actors sitting around and going, well, I'm finally entering my <laughs> wizard phase. 
Yeah. It's the, the beard. It's very distinguished. It's a very distinguished and exclusive club. But it could be like I Terrence feel. Stamp and just be super badass yeah. when you're like 60. Still be bad. Still, like Terrence Stamp has always been a badass. He's never stopped being a badass. Yeah. Um, but there are some very distinguished wizards. You know, there's Michael Gambon and um, <laughs> Ian McKellen and... Um, they should start a band, the Distinguished yeah. Wizards. The Distinguished Wizards. That sounds pretty good. Wouldn't that be it? good? Yeah. Were you? Yeah. You were not in any of the Potter films. I wasn't. I'm in that generation. In fact, most of the actors of my generation are not. Right. Because we were too old. Too old to be to a student. Be kids, too young, too to, young be, to be teachers. Right. Yeah. Maybe in the next <laughs> swath of films, you never know. There yeah. could be something. I think I was uh, I was 20 when the first one was made, or came, or the f- 20 years old when the first one was released. So I'm the sort of lost Potter generation of <laughs> the lost British Potters. actors. The lost Potters. Now, see, now you guys should all get yeah. together and be like, there's many of us. There's be... Matt Smith and um, that, yeah, and Benedict Cumberbatch and Tom Hardy, and you know, we're not. Jamie oh, McAvoy. you guys would have been. F- oh God, you just have to. Just please, for one Halloween, just all put yourselves in the. Harry Potter. Yeah. Who would yeah. you be? Who would you be? Um, I don't know. Who do you think? Where would you put me? Would you make me a teacher or a pupil? Um. Well, let's see. If we're not, if we're not, if we're just discounting any age, and it's like, oh, we'll just put you in a. I don't know. I don't know who I would. Oh man! Just throw it out there. I have some ideas. Well, maybe it's because of the maybe it's because of Loki, but I think you could make a pretty great Draco. Ah, I think you make a pretty badass nice. Draco. Okay, but nice. like a little more of a, I don't know. Dra- Draco got pretty spineless near the end, but more of like a, a badass yeah. Draco. Yeah. Um, or maybe what's his father called? Lucius. Lucius, Lucius Malfoy. Could be Lucius Malfoy. Mm, yeah, he was maybe kind of a, a young, though. a young Snape. <laughs> you could be a young Snape. Yeah, like... but you're too handsome to be Snape, though. Snape's supposed to be. I and mean, well, at least in the books, you know, he was he was kind of hideous, okay. you know. But uh, obviously, Alan Rickman, you know, like they kind of made him up yeah. to look a little more. But I think you'd be a pretty great Snape, you know. Like if they did a. Uh, if they kind of like, uh, if they did like hunky versions of the uh, of the <laughs> Thanks, Hogwarts man. staff, you could Thank be you very a, much. You could be a Snape. Thank you very much. I was thinking my hair's very ginger at the moment, so I was thinking maybe I'd be, uh, um, what's his name, Rupert Grint's character. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You could totally be Ron Weasley. Ron Weasley. You could be a yeah. Ron Weasley. Um, but in the end, I think it, I, I hope I hope I reach my Dumbledore phase. I think that would be <laughs> <laughs> that would be a nice place to get to. You know not right now. No, not no, right no, now. no, 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 no. You know, no. You're not going to Dumbledore for several no, several decades. No, 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 no. I have too many soldiers to play. <laughs> too I have many. Too many soldiers and princes and warriors and poets and lovers and kings. You know, it's like and spies uh, and it's, it's like Anthony Hopkins always said: you have to soldier before you can Dumbledore. <laughs> that's right uh, did he say that he did say that did he, he was say never that? able to play Dumbledore yeah but you have to soldier before you can you have to soldier before you can it's a rite of passage Dumbledore yeah. is there anything is there anything in your uh, do you have time to do anything else right now or is it um, I'm an actor that's what I am like how do you mean in my life life yeah in your life is there anything um, like how do you because obviously you know it, it must be an interesting time for you because I'm sure people are throwing parts at you left and right but at a certain point don't you have to take a break and decompress yeah, a little bit and you be do. Tom again for a while? Yeah, I actually had some time actually this year, um, um, which was amazing. I went, I, I went to West Africa. Oh, wow. Um, to, to, to Guinea, which is on the West African coast with UNICEF. And that was amazing. That was like truly uh, changed my perspective on the world. Because um, it was, it was it's, you know, it's closer than... From London to Guinea, from London to Conakry is closer than London to New York. And, of course, people do London to New York all the time. A lot fewer people do London to Conakry. And I saw the whole country. I saw UNICEF's work on the ground. Amazing, amazing time. Really life-changing 
perspective inducing extraordinary and did it sort of make you feel like oh you know what i do is fun yeah play time well, and- yeah it's playtime. you know i went into these schools with the with young children and i said what do you want to be um and they all said teacher or minister or uh or teacher or like very few people no, nobody there nobody had heard of me and it was that was actually really great i mean of course they hadn't but it, people that if you were in the premiership if your name was lionel messi or david beckham or wayne rooney they'd heard of you but actors they just didn't even register and i loved that i thought this is a the much bigger world the planet is much bigger than we realize but than we often think of and so that was amazing and um and uh very affecting and then did a lot of traveling actually i did some traveling at the beginning of this year so that was good you know what is it like when you're you know it's it's nighttime it's like your first or second night in west africa and you're outside and you're just kind of staring up at the sky what is it that you're thinking or feeling i felt very free actually um i uh second night we were actually in a village in the mid in the middle of um in the middle of uh guinea so we were no longer by the coast and um we were staying at a, at a, at a, at a house which was owned by one of the elders of the village and uh and we were, it was quite special they you know they said you can stay on you can stay in this room and of course it was just a room with a bed and you know but that was a special thing for them and and um i remember the uh we sort of turned our torches out and i wrapped myself in my mosquito net and just the, actually hearing the noise of the west african night all kinds of noises. I have no idea where they came from. <laughs> or what was I have no idea them. what was making them. <laughs> there was scuttling and banging and uh, sort of hissing. And I mean, it was, I, I burst out laughing actually. I was like, if I, it's almost like I don't want to know what, it, I don't want there to be any <laughs> it's light. It's better that you don't know. Yeah, it's better that you don't know. Just cause, because it's the in the wilderness of West Africa. And then occasionally you'd hear a cow mooing and, um, and it would feel like it was just standing above your face, and then I was woken up by a by a by a cockerel, you know. I genuinely walked. The cockerel just came into the room, stood next to me, and and crowed at about five a.m. It's like I guess it's time to get up then. <laughs> um, but I felt very free. I felt like it was an it was uh, well, it was an amazing world to to be to be a part of. I was introduced to um, to the to the working to the country at quite a rigorous level um and just seeing how seeing how that part of the world is is struggling to um sustain itself um i just it felt like exercising a different part of my brain um i became really engaged in other things you know and that was very cool well, it, I think it's important for, you know, and not everyone has the ability to, you know, just go travel, but it's no, important. And I, and, I, and I was very, I'm very blessed that they, you know, UNICEF invited me to come. But it's so and, important. It's so important to do that yeah. because I think, you know, all the insecurities we feel, all the, oh, am I not good enough? And, you know, or, or, am I doing okay in my friend group or am I, is my work? And you go other places where, you know, um, surviving the day, getting through the day and having yeah. to sustain and having to create your essentially your own little mini civilization and things aren't just handed to you. And you go, oh, yeah, all that shit that I'm always worried about is dumb. Well, I did it. I did it <laughs> as soon as I wrapped on, on, on the dark world. I literally wrapped on the dark world, handed my costume in two days later, got on a plane to West Africa. And I remember I was in the, in the in a village um, called um, um, Mandiana. 
which is just near um, um, the, the the Malian border. And I remember walking into the, to a to a, um, a sort of a, a, a meeting with all, with all of the women folk of the of the it was um, health centre. All these villages have, have health centres, and I said uh, because they all speak um, Guinea in French. I said uh, il y a des problèmes dans cette village. And um, they they were all smiling. These beautiful children, beautiful women, smiling um, with very little food. And they said, "Il n'y a pas de l'eau," which means there is no water. And it was so boldly stated: "There is no water here." It hit me like a train. And whenever, it, whenever you know, the sort of stuff's going on in the film business, I just sometimes think of like, "There is no water in Mandiana." Do you know what I mean? It's it's uh, it's such a s- sort of shattering. Oh, that's a wonderful, fr- that's a wonderful kind of mantra to have when you're yeah. freaking out about about stupid things. Yeah. Also, I do want to point out that any uh, female listeners probably felt their ovaries swell when you started speaking French. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> I'm hungry in a way I can't describe. I think Tom Hiddleston's speaking French. <laughs> there may not be water, um, but there's Hiddleston. I apologize unreservedly if that's the case. I mean, that is a good yeah. thing. That is a good thing. Your yeah. French, your French For, is fantastic. Fr- I've spoken French as guests. I've spoken French since I was about 10. The thing is, if you if you live in London, Paris is France is right there. Yes, you have you know other I mean? cultures that you know. We're yeah. so landlocked in the states. It's like, but you, everyone speaks quite good Spanish. I think there's a lot of good. There's a lot of good Spanish. We speak. Speaking. We speak okay yeah. Spanish down yeah. here. But but you guys actually, you know, like it's it's multi. It's everyone. You know, it's just sort Europe, of descends yeah. on London. But yeah, um, we are coming to the end of our time because the pr- Thor premiere is tonight. The Thor premiere is tonight. I will be there. I will um, look forward to seeing you. And you uh, you are coming to the end of a, a ridiculous month long whirlwind. Thor tour, so I yeah. hope that you get some rest and are Thank you working you. anything next that you I can literally go straight into Coriolanus tomorrow. Oh wow. Yeah. Back to the back to the drawing board. Well you will sleep well on the plane tonight. I will <laughs> sleep well on the plane, yeah. <laughs> but I'm excited. That the the juice for me is making something where before there was nothing. Mm-hmm. You know that's the that is the thrill for me is is there is nothing and then you make something and there is a something. You know, that could be a play or a film or uh, and and it's literally just the ima- the collective imaginations of a specific group of people saying, wouldn't it be interesting if we told this story in this way and we showed these aspects of human nature and we made it funny and gripping and dramatic and entertaining and truthful and suddenly it becomes a thing where there was nothing before. A year ago, there was no movie called Thor The Dark World. We made. It. I mean, it sounds so trite and so obvious to say it. No, no. But, but now you're it's creating like something from now nothing. it's like framed and polished, and it looks like it. And just, it's sort of it's sort of smeared into the landscape yeah. of of our culture. Now. And it's and it looks so neat and 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 uh, and and sort of framed and boxed and defined. But there wasn't anything before that. There, well, if, if I anyway. get to come to London, I want to see your play. Please come. I would yeah, love to. Please come. It runs from December the sixth to February the thirteenth. And then if uh, if if I could ask you to do something, which hopefully is not annoying, no. we tell people at the end of the podcast we say enjoy your burrito and it's a way that we're telling people to enjoy their present as it's happening nice so it's a okay but i really feel like a good sort of low-key-esque enjoy your burrito would resonate uh with people <laughs> okay. at the end okay midgardians for the sake of odin and the nine realms enjoy your burrito we have to play that at the end of every episode now, Kate. <laughs> Tom Hiddleston, delightful to see you. Thank, Thank you, you so, so much. much. Such a pleasure. Good to see to you To talk again. about everything. Yeah, yes. so great. Excellent. And hopefully we didn't keep you too long. No, it was fantastic. You'll get to- 
Now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. This episode of the Nerdist Podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website, portfolio, or online store. For a free trial and 10% off, go to Squarespace.com. Use the offer code NERDIST11. Are you tired of dating assholes? Do you want a Prince Charming? If so, we're filming a reality show. Sign up here. 12 American women are flown over to the UK for a Bachelor-style reality dating show. There are so many questions about a show like this because it's so odd. These women have been told that they were going to be dating the world's most eligible bachelor, Prince Harry. What? Y'all playing with me, right? You can binge The Bachelor of Buckingham Palace exclusively on Wondery Plus. Join Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts or the Wondery app.